0: Welcome to Inkwell, a podcast from Houston, Texas, for anyone engaged in the world of reading and writing. Inkwell is brought to you by Tintero Projects, which showcases the work of national and international Latinx and Latin American writers through readings and workshops, and InPrint, a literary arts nonprofit which, since 1983, conducts readings, workshops, and other programs to promote creative writing and reading and supports writers. Inkwell hosts Jasmine and Lupe Mendez, Writers, educators, activists, and founders of Tintero Projects will interview emerging and established writers from across the United States with energy, wit, and fresh perspective on what it means to ink well in this day and age.
1: And welcome back. Is that the right way to
0: <laughs> yes,
2: do welcome the introductions?
1: Back. <laughs> uh, to another amazing episode of Inkwell. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jasmine Mendez. No, that was
2: Lupe Mendez.
1: And to my right...
2: <laughs> I am Jazzy Mendez. A little <laughs> confused. A little late tonight. We're
0: good.
1: And uh, so this is episode three, wait, season two, episode three of Inkwell. Um, we are located in the museum district of Houston here at the amazing Imprint House. Mm-hmm. Um, our guest this evening is uh, Cristina Rivera Garza. Doctor. Um, doctor Christina Rivera Garza um, <laughs> and her book, the translated uh, book, uh, "The Taiga Syndrome." Mm. Um, did I say that right? I like. Literally I was like thinking back to like seventh grade science class, and I was like, uh. "Is that? Is that? Right? Did I say that?" I had to go look it up. It was like just the <laughs> pronunciation. Um, the cover is really cool. too The cover's awesome. cover is um, awesome. The English translation, and I'm I'm gonna say this, a uh, transparency, like I love the title of the book um, in Spanish, which is? El Mal de la Taiga, Ooh. which
3: is like,
2: I was like, yes, please. I know, I always feel like sometimes <laughs> the titles in Spanish are like better than, than when they get translated in English. Um, but yeah. It's good.
1: But so um, this is an amazing read. Um, it, it doesn't feel like it should be, because like the book itself is like it's, it's, a super, small book. it's a small book, but like getting into the book, it's like <sighs> like, I had to put it down a few minutes and, like, make notes to try to, like... It defies what you think it is. Yeah, you it and entirely. You you're like, oh, you so, know? And then like, you're oh like, look, it's got stars on the cover. It's hey, <laughs> so hopeful. And so, like, looking... <laughs> it's
2: like, he this as <laughs> a...
1: But so, it's an amazing, beautiful read. Um, and so, we loved having the opportunity to uh, invite Casey um, now on the show... Um, and we can say show, right? We can say I guess, show? yeah, it's a show. Yeah, podcast, podcast. 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 And, uh, <laughs> and get to to talk about all things book, all things uh, writing. And uh, so, yeah. So, uh, to kick off the, the show... Um, oh, wait. Before we do that, um, guest, you can say hello. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to kick off the show, like, the conversation piece that for us, for me and Jasmine to, like, work through was... So like a lot of, well, there's a few things in the book that like stem into and dabble into like fairy tale, right? Like mm-hmm. there's the images of um, both Red Riding Hood and Hansel and Gretel. Mm-hmm. And so things like, I, I keep picturing like Hans Christian Andersen and Brothers Grimm mm-hmm. and know and like all sorts of pieces. <laughs> so like the one of the things that I was thinking of was like in, like as a kid when hearing or reading a particular fairy tale and then you kind of get older and you process what the hell was really going on mm-hmm. with, with that fairy tale. Mm-hmm. Like, well, even what?
2: nursery rhymes too. Like now, so like now that I'm an adult and I like understand like in. Know a lot of the history of like nursery rhymes and like the fairy tales. Like like I I took um, loose do <laughs> to, um, Mother Goose time at the library on Monday and there was they did like a little section of like ring around the rosy pocket, pocket full of, of posies. posies ashes to ashes we all fall down. Like I can't ever hear that nursery rhyme the same again now that I know what it's about. Right the like the black plague the black plague or like London Bridge is falling down. Like even Rockabye Baby if you listen to all the lyrics of Rockabye Baby the like the cradle will fall like down will come baby cradle and all like this is horrible like these are all very morbid (laughs) awful like things that could happen to small children but
1: so the so the the thing was too like how you know when when did your brain click to that moment when a certain thing that you thought that as a kid was like oh that's just really innocent and then you get older and you're like that's some twisted shit, yo. Yeah. What is happening yeah. right now? Yeah, like, like
2: Hansel and Gretel, like the witch like <laughs> burns them or like wants to eat them or something. Like they're all really dark. Um, and I think they're supposed to be, I think they originally intended like, like you would read them to children, but like as warnings of like what not to do, right? right? Or like what could happen to like bad children or if you did this or that, or like actual like plagues or things that could happen to children. But like then, you know, then you, they disney them and it's everything's like happy ending and like whatever, but then- you read about it, you read the history, and it's like, oh my gosh. I think that for me, some of it started in high school, like some of the basic ones, like, oh, Ring Around the Rosie. I was like, ashes to ashes. What is this about? Right. Um, but then a lot of it didn't happen until I started taking like children's lit classes in college um, and having to like read some of the actual like Grimm's fairy tales and like Hans Christian Anders, like the original like Hans Christian Andersen stories and like all of that. Um, and then just like talking about it in like a children's lit class. Um, and then, you know, just like, seeing it with my own students in class and stuff like that. And then, like, and then I would, like, I was a bad teacher where I would, like, spoil it for them. and like, well, you know, the Disney version <laughs> is actually really wrong. i no this no is not real. And then, like, the Fuelto. poor, like, Fuelto. kids' faces are, like, Maestra, what? No.
1: And I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm the, the bad teacher that's, like,
2: Santa isn't real. <laughs> I'm like, And all of these terrible things But that's also
1: So like you say that And you just now said that And like somebody pointed out The other day That like the original image Of like San Nicolas He was all in gray and white And then When Coca-Cola wanted to like Take the image of Santa Claus Like all of a sudden His suit matched the red That's the Coke can And I was like Mm -hmm. Oh hell Commercialized (laughs) Christmas yeah.
2: Well, I mean, the same thing happened, though, this is kind of a side note, but the same thing happened with, like, proposals and engagement rings. That wasn't, a, engagement rings wasn't even a thing until, like, the mid-1950s when, like, I think it was K Jewelers, actually, like, came up with like the thing of like thing having, it was like what? a total like marketing scheme by like this jewelry company. Give back that ring. <laughs> <What>? Give back <laughs> that ring right brand. now. I can't even wear my wedding ring right now. I'm allergic to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Oh. No, I know. No, after I what have the what does that mean like, about this relationship? Just, like, Are you allergic to our love? <laughs> anyway. Uh, but back like back one of the things tales. that I thought of
1: <laughs> the, the fairy tale part. So like, this is totally, I guess like a contemporary version of what that is. Like when you look at kids TV shows, um, I I'll, I googling like random stuff. Uh, I ended up running into a cracked article that talked about like what are some of kids shows that existed where there's like some other loophole thing of like an adult concept that oh. kind of kids kind of oh, well, gloss like, over, right? Yeah,
2: like Bugs Bunny, like all of that was like very, but very much adult so, humor and yeah, like very like violent the, the, and like all of that.
1: But like looking at even even the the. You know, the, the fact that, like, a lot of the characters that in, in American cartoons that you grew up watching, the white glove thing is very much like reference to minstrel stuff. Mm, mm-hmm. And I, it never, like, now looking mm-hmm. back on it and the images of what would happen to a certain character's face if they had a, a piece of dynamite blow up in their face, like, it was very negative. As a kid, it never, I glossed yeah, over it, right? Yeah. And, but now as an adult, I'm like, oh. Am I letting Luz watch any of
2: this? I know. I look at like all the like old Mickey Mouse stuff, and I'm like, "That's so racist." (laughs) i get so so mad at so many things. But
1: so like 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 all of that to say that that you know that that tension between what you think you know of a particular uh, story and then the the diabolical things that lie underneath when when you begin to analyze. Yeah,
2: but I think it's interesting too that like we. I think we, um, like, yes, children are innocent, I guess, to a degree. But, like, they, they also, like, I don't know, in my opinion, have, like, a deeper understanding or, like, a different... They're not necessarily tainted by, like, all the knowledge of the world. So, like, there's other things that, that they know but maybe can't articulate, right? And so then, like, I think that some really good writers or maybe, like, these children's, like, book writers from the past, like, kind of sense that and sort of create these, like, darker stories. I don't know if I'm making sense. But, like, these darker stories that, like... Portray like these these fears, right, of like childhood, right, but that, uh, that a child can't necessarily like articulate, you know what I'm saying? But like they know it's it's like a fear. Like there's like something there's, there's there, something right? Dark. There's something fearful there's, that's there.
1: There's a level of that in in the Tiger Syndrome, um, in which the the characters in the book actually have an interview with a young boy. Um and some of that kind of kind of sits in that. Like yeah. what is it what's witnessed, what is misconstrued, what is what does the young mind understand from what is there? Right. But um, doesn't have the language for it. But doesn't have the right? language and and so not even having the language, but like the experience to be able to judge the thing for what it could be. Uh, when you look at other books like um The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, like what were the horrors of World War Two that like Mary Poppins and Like, all the things that were happening in all these different books, like, what was that speaking to as these books were being written? What was the purpose for those to exist? Mm -hmm. Um, But so, yeah, those are some of the things that we were thinking of as we were coming into this. And then, side note, there's apparently a movie coming out called The Curse of La Llorona, which has been Americanized, (laughs) and now she's in L.A., and there's a little <laughs> yeah, a, a gin, there's a family that <laughs> is trying to figure out what's going on. And a part of me feels like I want La Llorona to win, but things. And then, uh, <laughs> well,
2: but, then, so, but even like, so just again, like another side note, like I've been thinking a lot about this, like not just with like La Llorona, but then talking about like the, the Hansel and Gretel thing and like the, I think you know in the book there's a mention of like the actual real like story and how it was a mom and not a stepmom and, And like sort of the switch character. And like for me too though, this idea of like now that I'm a mom, like the reality of like, how how postpartum depression has actually been tracked throughout like history, oh, yeah. but, but like we didn't have a, a word or an acknowledgement for it, right? It was just like, oh, la mujer se volvió loca, mató a los like you know the <laughs> yeah, yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. and she you know killed her kids. But it's like, no, that was like hardcore postpartum depression, right? And like the fact that like you know, and, and then it was so misunderstood for so so long, um, and still is. It, I mean, it's just now kind of like people are like, oh, it's a thing, and we shouldn't like judge the mother. She needs like actual help right um like emotional and like hormonal like it's a hormonal imbalance and it's not something that you can necessarily control or whatever um but like that it's been like this this myth and this like folklore for like right forever. hundreds of years forever like keeps like it keeps happening in literature and in the like movies and in everything that we see and um but it takes on so many different forms and so many different cultures and like now realizing like yeah she had postpartum <laughs> depression like that's what it was um and and like I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to, like, think about. And to you know. to,
1: to kind of pinpoint, too. Yeah. I think that's one of the other questions I think that we'll probably have for uh, Christina as we go through the interview is, like, what does that look like in the full development of the book? And then, like, mm. how does that speak to... Um, like like images of womanhood, womanhood yeah. Um, yeah That exists, so, so yeah, we'll get to the interview and a ton of other questions <laughs> Like this is going to be a packed show um, We're recording this on a Tuesday night, right before Thanksgiving Things Taken things taken
2: <laughs> sorry that's just my like
1: happy things taken no day. happy
2: to, we don't have to be <laughs> decolonized all the time it's okay oh it's i okay. haven't
1: thought about that that's awesome so um welcome to inkwell uh we'll be back in a few seconds after josh puts in a jingle and uh
2: with our guest
1: with our guest christina rivera garza
2: and we're back. <laughs> Hopefully you got a chance to grab a drink and uh, we're here. Loupe is going to go ahead and introduce our guest, the author of Tiger Syndrome. Did I say that right? The Tiger Syndrome.
1: So, yeah, and as we do this particular podcast, I'd also like to maybe put out a survey question. How many of you are listening to us either at your house, in the car or in traffic? Cuz mm. these are great shows to listen to when you're in Houston traffic. In Houston traffic. <laughs> And then and if you're on a podcasts. different coast somewhere. <laughs> bienvenidos. And uh what's well, up? Okay, yeah. So uh, introductions. Um the author of the Tiger Syndrome, Cristina Rivera Garza. Um Is the award-winning author of six novels, three collections of stories, five collections of poetry, and three non-fiction books. And a partridge in a pear tree. Um, (laughs) Originally written in Spanish, these works have been translated into English, French, Italian, Portuguese, Korean, and more. Born in Mexico in 1964... She has lived in the U.S. since 1989. She is a, the distinguished professor in Hispanic studies and director of creative writing at the University of Houston, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Cristina Rivera Garza. Yay! Yay!
3: Welcome, welcome. Hola, hola, hola. ¿cómo están? Buenas noches. So, so muches. happy to be here with you guys. It's always fun. <laughs>
1: um, a Beautifully, beautifully written book. It, it's been a gem just to read the whole thing through um thank you oh that's right um, yes. so yeah we'll start off with i was gonna really jump into questions i'm excited <laughs> no, I'm sorry. the audience
2: didn't <laughs> know like what, so, what's so
3: beautiful
1: about it um, so. if you would please so kind as to uh pick a section a of section
3: the oh yeah, yeah it'd and, be my pleasure.
1: Read from it.
3: Okay, you'd be like two, three pages would yeah, be okay. If you want to set small, anything up or talk a little bit about this the book small um, yeah. fragments. Well, I have to say that this was uh, published this year You know, October. Thank you so much. And I'm very happy that both Aviva Kana and uh, Jill. Jill Levine were in charge of the translation, and I'm especially happy because they're wonderful translators. They're my friends, but also translation takes a big part mm-hmm. in this in this book. It mm-hmm. plays a, a what I would say a major role right yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, the story of the of the novel is is rather simple. There is this couple who is running running away into this hostile snowy place in the world, and we have an ex detective, not an active. Detective, but one that has had a, a her load of failures, hmm. uh, chasing after them, and uh, and that's. Even though the story, the plot might be simple, I I I'd say that uh, the the issue here, one of the important things for me is that is the mediated nature of all that is being experienced in the book. There are always going to be filters, mm-hmm. and one of them is of course translation. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do right now is to to read uh, this this one chapter seven. Mm-hmm. The title of this in Spanish was something like um, poner. Uh, It was poner el el contenido de tu lengua, poner algo de tu lengua en mi lengua. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is very long. Mm -hmm. And Spanish has a lot of, uh, you know, eroticism Mm -hmm. into it, Mm -hmm. in there. And so it was quite difficult when we were doing, I was uh, participating in the translation, and we were trying different takes on this one, and... You know, some of them were very literal, Mm. some of them were very poetic, but we, it it was, it was kind of difficult just to get to that point, to algo de tu lengua, algo de su lengua y mi lengua. Mm. And so we tried several things until Jill one day just emailed me and she said, you know, I get it. What you want to say in English is tongue to tongue. Mm. And I thought, wow, this is amazing because that's exactly yeah, what I was saying in Spanish, but it takes more words. It takes more words, take more words. <laughs> yeah. to say that in Spanish. But okay, so I'll read these. Tongue to Tongue. This is chapter seven. Among other things, I should explain that all of this occurred at the beginning of autumn, that the wind blowing my hair was icy, nearly freezing, that the pool caused curiosity or terror a pool in the middle of the forest, through the mist. How could this be? All these images and the long journey towards these images ended, essentially, during the last days of summer, already turning little by little at first, then all at once, into autumn. Before, I had bought the plane tickets, the train tickets, passage for the barge. Whenever it was possible from far away, electronically, I had made reservations at hotels and hostels for single rooms. I contacted friends who put me in contact with their friends who little by little brought me closer to the taiga. It was necessary, as it always is, to find a translator, a guide. So long before I arrived, even long before I left, I had among my contacts a speaker of their tongue who could transmit everything into my tongue. I remember how many times I repeated the same phrase, tongue to tongue, a speaker of their tongue who could translate everything into my tongue, a smile, now a laugh a look of intrigue or distress, a sigh or something more serene. In the report I would write for the man who had two wives, who had had two wives, I would ask him to take into account that nothing had happened exactly as I claimed. I would tell him that nothing happens as it is written, and I would constantly repeat this or something like it. I would ask him, in a careful and tactful way, assuming that he knew, but realizing also that these types of things are always hard to bear in mind, to take into account that there was a great distance between speech and writing. Take your time, I would remind him. Read as if there were many minutes, even hours, between the words spoken and the ones written down transcribed the phrases I would tell him, for example when I wrote I asked them if they had electricity and they responded by showing me a lit candle that he, would, he should realize I had in fact pronounced the question, but before I received the answer, which came much later, the translator had made me repeat the question several times, and then had said it several times himself, until the inhabitants of the village in the taiga could understand it and answer And then, we had to wait, translator, villagers, myself, until the action, showing the candle and articulating the words, we don't have electricity, was heard and understood, first with surprise, and then, finally, disbelief. I remember the image of the Avis. Above all, I remember the words, worlds end, strung together. The images of my own city, a place of dark corners that I, like the couple, had left behind. The translator waited for me at the airport of the last city the couple had visited before continuing into the little towns of the taiga. From there, from that border city, the following telegram had been sent. The distant, never so close. I imagine they must have landed at the same airport, buttoning their coats and wrapping scarves around their necks, and they must have taken a moment to look at the sky. I'd never known if this was actually true. I'd never have any idea of how long it took them to find the driver who drove them. To where? I imagine that they must have slept there, in that city of 200,000 people, where oil is extracted, but I wasn't sure about anything. The only certain thing, the only evidence, was that from this city a telegram full of capital letters was sent. A telegram, but also a letter. A very brief letter written in pencil by a hand that seemed timid or wary. Never did the distant strike so close. The variations continued. The translator did not smile when he saw me, but he did stretch out his arm to shake my right hand. He said something in my language, but upon realizing that I had difficulty understanding, he chose to use the language that we would speak during our journey through the boreal forest, a language that was not strictly his nor mine, a third space, a second tongue in common. The translator was a relatively small man, thin, and only a few centimeters taller than me, with an impenetrable expression. If I had not been aware of his hunting expertise and his various jobs on fishing boats and in the lumber industry, I might have thought he he was a fragile man. When he shook my hand, I could feel the coarse skin of his palms and the rough tips of his fingers, calluses. Our first exchange led me to think of him as taciturn, like a tree that at first glance appears dry or dead. His salary, which had seemed meager to me, had freed him, momentarily at least, not just from a limited existence, but also from the sedentary nature of urban life to which he'd he'd had trouble adapting. I come from over there, he told me, pointing out a vague area on the horizon that I had to imagine was a taiga, our destiny. He motioned for me to follow close behind him and began to walk, not looking back.
2: Mm. Oh. Very nice. Thank yeah. you. Thank That's you. a translator.
3: <laughs> First meeting. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, um,
1: man, so there's so many like points with this book that, that were uh, kept going through my head as I was reading it. Um, I to start off with um in terms of the writing the, it's so concise there's like mm-hmm. such a tightness mm-hmm. and even even the the chapters themselves are the I think the longest is maybe like 5 yeah, 6 pages you're right. yeah. um what happens in the process mm-hmm. for the writing like do you start larger and then whittle away at it and edit it down until it gets to this conciseness, or or are you already starting with that level of language hmm. going through um, as you're developing the book?
3: Yeah, yeah, it, it varies from book to book. Uh, I love to rewrite. I th- that's one of the processes of of writing that I enjoy the most. Once uh, once everything else is out there. And then I get a chance to reread and, and read carefully, and, and just uh, delete things and mm-hmm. uh, just take them you know away from from the text. And sometimes it's really violent. Sometimes yeah. it's really difficult, as you well know. Yeah. But um, but I'm I'm with some books I've worked in that way. But in this one, this is the last book of fiction that I've published in the last. I don't know five years mm-hmm. and, and for a while I thought that, that I was not going to want to write fiction anymore. I've been having all these conversations in my head about right, right, the right. pertinence of writing fiction yeah. in this world yeah. and, and the need that we have, or I feel, mm-hmm. for, for more nonfiction, more mm-hmm. documentary mm-hmm. type of writing. So I guess I was already thinking that when, when I started to write this book and um, this is perhaps the book that, I, that I've written uh, the fastest Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was kind of like in a feverish type of state when I was working on it, perhaps because I was already, um, um, posing all those que- questions about fiction mm-hmm. or perhaps it was because I, I just, uh, needed the story to be out there. Right. So I, I think I, I did pretty much what I what I usually do I I get a draft a complete draft that I'm I'm um, I'm continuously editing and revising as I wake up in the morning mm-hmm. and I try to read back what I what, what I've been written on. so far and then I I do a, a it's an ongoing process of writing and revision but then once that that first draft is done I you know all the rewriting and the revision starts and that's continues. how he
1: gets, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, one of the things that has always interested me is, like, looking at how, uh, and it was beautiful that that was the, the piece that you selected to mm-hmm. read from, translation. Like, mm-hmm. it, in terms of what that looked like, is what you read in these pages in English mm-hmm. a totally different beast de lo que era el libro en el español. Eh, Son son Completamente distinto, or hay un echo de de una parte al otro?
3: Yeah, that's such an interesting question because, as you know, I've been living in this country for so many years Mm. 30 years, 20 something years in any case, and and most of my work, which uh, I've written in Spanish, has been actually conceived and and generated and and executed uh, in a world uh, surrounded by English Mm. and uh, with a close conversation with. with certain kind of experimental traditions in in U.S. literature, so uh, it's been uh, so interesting. With with the Ilya Kress, we came out last year with feminist press and with these books. With this book, now that I'm uh, doing the rounds and reading them in English and and speaking with audiences who are way more uh, familiar with these uh, U.S. literary traditions, it seems to me. That in some weird way, mm-hmm. the books were written in Spanish, but they've been—they were first conceived um, with within the nest of English. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes speaking with with uh, with people, with readers, uh, when I'm doing readings and and all that kind of all these kinds of things, it seems that um, that the book is kind of returning to its original language in many ways it. so it was uh, you know I, I was reading in English working in English talking in English doing all my life my daily life in English and I was writing in Spanish mm. and so obviously there is there is not only certain rhythms and sounds yeah. and certain grammar uh, it, it mesh with all that mm. but uh, but books are not born in isolation they are mm. part of their members or parts of uh, larger conversations right, and the right. conversation that I was entertaining, the one that I was very aware of and, and, and thinking with. Um, it's always of course the, the, the great literary traditions <laughs> from Latin Americans and, and Spanish but, um, but also and very closely related to, to these traditions. Mostly, as I said, certain experimental tra- uh, literary traditions. And mostly from the West Coast. Because right, I was right. living in California back there. Mm-hmm. So that's how I feel about it. It's like the translation has allowed these books to go back to this original language in, in many ways. That's so so it's kind that's of like awesome. a big trip. Yeah,
2: yeah, Well, even just you saying that, I felt like, um, like it's very meta. <laughs> <laughs> right? so like the right, like just sort of this this um I don't I'm not gonna, I don't want to say post but like, it's just sort of like this you know the, the book being aware of itself, and then you've got it's like it's a it's a trans like what you read is a translation and you read a a section of on a translator yeah, <laughs> yeah translation yeah. and then the book returning to itself um but even sort of I mean I don't even i don't I know it's an it's an it's an it's a novel but then it's like well is it like mystery is yeah. it like you know yeah. is it a like sort of genre fiction where does it go but then there's sort of I felt like the sort of like kind of very Paul Oster-y, like feel towards it with this you know the characters not really having names and yeah. like right this you know hmm. just kind of looking at, at um just there's so many layers, right? And then sort of mm-hmm. this, this, um, this sort of nebulous world, there's mm-hmm. no like no named places and you're just kind of, you're in this world, but you don't even really know like yeah. what this yeah. world is or where it is. And so how did like, what, what drove you towards that? Or what was the impetus towards kind of?
3: I, I, I'm usually under the impression when I, when I'm writing books, I, I usually start with these huge question something that I cannot take out of my mind some sort of obsession mm. and obviously if it is a, an obsession I don't know what it is otherwise I'm mm. gonna have an obsession right and I, I just knew that I wanted to take readers with me to this specific landscape mm. uh, and my, the question that I had in mind is how far away that I could go I could go with someone else meaning with readers mm-hmm. Um but the more we actually move away, the less understandable the the journey has to be. Mm. So how far mm. away can can I go while still being intelligible? Mm. So that that was the main question, and uh, and I knew that there was going to be a couple. I knew they they were going to be running away. I knew there was going to be a certain kind of chasing after them, an investigation of sorts. Um, and I wanted to keep that. Uh, I didn't want to hide that process from the reader. I wanted them to go with me to these places, where language was going to be difficult, where mm-hmm. communication was going to be uh, difficult as well. And uh, and I wanted I wanted to remain true to that experience. So, going to the other side, to where things are not legible, was. Um, uh, was what interested me, like what enticed me, but at the same time, you don't want to go that, that way, all the way, because otherwise, who's going to follow you? And I guess that's one of the reasons why um, fairy tales and the detective story uh, played such a big role in here, because as you were saying, even though, even if we hadn't read them, even if we, and, and I think most of us have, mm-hmm. but even if we didn't in the past when we were children, we know what these stories are all about. Yeah. We have certain sense of yeah. the atmosphere, of the sense of danger, uh, and in some cases, the moral lessons that come from mm-hmm. this experience. And and so I guess I was kind of anchoring or trusting that uh, that both as as, uh, as readers and and. and Readers, we shared certain common knowledge about these these structures, these forms that that I thought might have could allow me to to go into that trip uh, with people with me instead of just uh, you know driving everybody away mm-hmm. right. because of the journey. So. So that's, that's more or less the, the, at the beginning, what I thought about the book. But as you well know, I mean, authors think about the book in one way and then and readers the house and do <laughs> so so like the the, whatever of the, they want to. With yeah,
0: that.
1: I, yeah. So like, yeah. as I was reading this, um, it took me like a split second. There was a moment in which as I'm reading it, and I'm like, damn, I love the way the sentence structures and yeah. some of the parts at the beginnings,
3: Yeah.
1: it, it. It was straight, it was the straight up English, but then like reading it, I was like, this is also a translation, but the like the beauty within the language, there's a direct portions where some of this stuff is translated so beautifully that it gave it this other level that like I knew what it was, what it was supposed to be in Spanish, but yeah, there were parts so like, and the beginning of some of these, um, so like the the promise chapter four that it had been a long time since I investigated anything was not a lie.
3: Yeah, but like
1: the like that
3: el de at the beginning at the yeah. beginning yeah. in yeah.
1: Spanish like. Yeah. Uh, Que había sido un yeah. tiempo largo desde que blah, blah. Sí. And like in Spanish, I understand because yeah. that's just the level of language and the, yeah. the, the grammar, it's but sort then of like, like
2: the rhythm that we speak, it, or the, like you can hear a yeah. narrator speaking in that way. But then in English, you're like, that. Yeah, that. that. Way. But, <laughs> but that, seeing
1: but it that was, way, I was like, that was awesome. Yeah. I was like, I get it. I so And like even just that simple piece yeah. drug me in so well. And I was like, yeah. I'm familiar with this voice, even though I'm not familiar with this
3: voice. Yeah, so. but that's so interesting. Yeah, because. When we start a sentence in Spanish with que, mm-hmm. it's also disturbing. And right. right. It, it, just as you you are listening to that in, in, into English, you know that there is something on mm-hmm. happening, that there is something before the que. Right. No. Ella dijo que. Yeah. Or uh, there is something happening before, before that. That, that that you are not allowed to to get si. to immediately, and that sense of suspense is something that I that I cared a lot about in this book, and I was especially working with this. Uh, indirect speech. I wanted everything to be indirect. I I, th- I said earlier that I was very much thinking about mediation, about filtering, about how we get to know reality. It's never a direct process, of right, course. Right, right, right. And so there's always this K, there. this that, yeah. that, that is it either... Uh, mm, you know, allowing us to, to go through transitions or just making us very alert at the fact that there is a transition right. taking place, that perhaps it has become transparent, it has become natural, but we have to. A, you know, place a question about that, and so that's that's one of the reasons why the the que the dad uh, is is there very often uh, at the beginning of every chapter or um, uh, many many of these paragraphs. And I t- I talked a lot with the with the translators at the beginning. They, they were thinking, well, you know, we can say that this in English in this other way, and I'm like, yeah. And I could have said the same in very different right. ways right. in Spanish. That's, that's, right. that's <laughs> right. I not to. But, yeah. but I decided not to. And it's kind of awkward, and 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 I wanted I wanted to keep that awkwardness. I wanted to to maintain the the idea that the reader had to wonder, had to realize, had to be very alert about the layers, the the some the someone else who is telling this story, and is being now disseminated uh, uh, by this other narrator that is not necessarily the actual narrator of of the book. So. I, I wanted mm. to I wanted to share that that layering process with readers. So mm. that
1: actually answers like one of the other questions I had mm-hmm. was like there's it, the the narrator of this book the the ex-detective which mm. and even when you say ex-detective a part of me like como que me toca like that even though they have failed in other yeah. uh, not so successful yeah. uh, things um that the language in which they speak is constantly it's either this or this yeah. so it's something or terror or this or fear yeah. and so you you're always as the reader having to sit with what you're saying the tra- the, the transition yeah. part like yeah. is this a moment of this or is this a moment of of this, yeah. Thus also coming back to the whole idea of like the translation part, like the one moments that we think like in the fairy tales that we read are like, what are those things that should be like,
3: mm-hmm.
1: s- you know, child moral stories, but are actually mm-hmm. like very macabre, like heavily driven things. Like what is, what, what, what's that that sits underneath the surface?
0: Um,
1: yeah. I, brilliant. Like I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, So um, that kind of leads into the next question is, is in terms of the, the the detective that's uh-huh. the doing the work in the book. Mm-hmm. How much research? Like, was there any research into uh, noir or? Um Uh, elements of of detective work or anything that you read up on in terms of preparing for the writing of this?
3: Yeah, well, I I think there's no writing without research of Mm -hmm. of all kinds. I mean, sometimes it's archival research, sometimes you have Mm -hmm. to talk to a lot of people, sometimes you have to read a lot of newspapers, and sometimes you have just to look at the ceiling for many, many hours, (laughs) some other kind of research, (laughs) right? right? In any case, it takes a lot of attention to the world just to start, you know, grabbing the pen or actually, you know, getting in front of the screen, mm. Mm. which right, is what we right, do, right? right? So uh, the, the detective who is in this book, an ex-detective, has been with me now for a while. So she's been part of uh, short stories and at oh. least uh, uh, two more novels. Oh, wow. So, so, so I got to read. I got <laughs> to read some more. A bunch of I got to catch about. up. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're in Spanish. They haven't yeah. been translated into English, but uh, hopefully in the future they will be. But um, uh, the, the failed cases that she's referring to actually are... are novels now mm. uh, one of, of those novels uh, title is La Muerte Me Da which is actually a, a, it, it is a, a verse by Argentinian um, poet Alejandra Pizarnik, mm-hmm. and the whole verse is La Muerte Me Da en Pleno Sexo but La Muerte Me Da in itself how would you translate that? It's, it's kind of like a difficult to translate right. because da might be like the verb to give right. but right. also like, to hit death gives right. me or yeah. I hit yeah. It, yeah. The, yeah. The so it's a is that kind of thing? In, in any case, in this novel, she was investigating the case of um, several. Um uh, murders that had to do with castrated men, oh, wow. uh, <laughs> and, and, and that was a way for me to interrogate the, the wave of femicides that had taken mm. place uh, and continued to take place in Mexico, but I was switching the body, the place of the inscription of the violence in such mm. a way. So she failed uh, big time right. in this research and in, in this investigation But that was precisely what what the novel uh, uh, was aiming for. And she's been, uh, in some other cases, uh, like she was once investigating the case of uh, a woman who had given uh, her hand, metaphorically, uh, you know, te piden tu mano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was, yeah, patrolled uh, or engaged yeah, or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, But she didn't realize that it was a literal petition. Oh. So she oh. lost her hand. You know, Ma- things oh, like that. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, so it's like, we're,
1: I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to pick up we were talking about engagement rates. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, oh, my
3: goodness. So, something, something that's awesome part. Well, so, and that's the reason why we are, um, I, she she was referring to um, the, other cases. Uh, the, the failures, uh, because that's what where she did does um, big time failing Mm -hmm. and um, well and there is some research in doing that of course I mean what what do detectives do what 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 kind of offices do they work with what kind of uh, uh, help or lack of help uh, Mm -hmm. limits uh, their work and and issues of that sort they are not realistic in Mm -hmm. tone uh and as you as you were saying in this case we don't have the names of actual places that you mm-hmm. can uh, locate in a map more a sense of uh, atmosphere and landscape right. Right. Uh, and what happens there uh, like in this case uh, she's looking at um big uh, accumulation of wealth exploitation of social of natural resources right, right. the makings of capitalism and accumulation and that's part of the ominous i think mm-hmm. uh sense of 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 the this place and, and uh, the marginal, the, the kind of um, marginal presence that that is creating with these feral children and and weak, uh, 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 well, just villagers who, right, who right, can right. cope with uh, the need and the isolation and, the the isolation creed, and, and, and exploitation that takes place in that place. So it's more. Uh, uh, I guess I was aiming for the uh, metaphor and. Uh, but with a very realistic um rendition of mm. specific elements of the landscape yeah. and the atmosphere.
0: Uh, so. It, so in that
3: do you, I mean like just even
2: more like listening and thinking about the book itself do you see the book as like a dystopian like novel or is that you were aiming for, or just kind of happened,
3: or <laughs> I was thinking of some uh some not too distant future, mm, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, I'm aware that now if we, we move in that territory, where we're usually mm-hmm. talking about dystopian yeah. types of future. Yeah. But in many ways, it it it, it was influenced, if nothing mm-hmm. else, by readings along those sides, mm-hmm. uh, along those lines, uh thinking a lot about Anthropocene, about the end of the world, mm-hmm. and about what we do with our sense of uh, you know, language, meaning, identity, self, mm-hmm. under such a, a trying circumstances. And here we have another one, which is the weather. This yeah. cold weather, which you know, I'm I'm not very right. Fond no, yeah, <laughs> I all... live in Houston. Um, yeah, so we live in Texas. <laughs> what, yeah. And
1: then, like you, you, literally, as you're mentioning all that, like the first thing I thought of in terms of like failed uh, detective work and, and and police work, I was thinking, I thought of um, Elliot Ness. I don't know why, yeah. but like mm-hmm. I've always been uh i love reading um historical accounts of of you know uh events that mm-hmm. were like the beginnings like not exactly serial killings but like things that are unsolved yeah. so elliot s's uh success with bringing down al Capone and then switches cities and then is confronted with uh the black dahlia murders and then is not able to get to the bottom of, mm-hmm. of what that and so what does that how does that translate in terms of what that looked like in the press what did it do for the community you know what what did that what did that do for his own career what did that you know progress and so as i was as you're speaking that and i'm thinking of the book like i i thought of that mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and what does that mean in terms of of success and and getting to the bottom at the heart of of
3: mm-hmm. particular heavy And matter. can we right and can, can we, we. Is, yeah. is, I mean is this unresolved nature of whatever we get right. into right. It's, uh, it's way more uh, uh, painful at times yeah. but also more true to to what real life is it's like life. i mean there yeah. are so many things that we go through that, we that remain solve, right? and will well, remain it, a yeah, result yeah i find it so yeah.
2: fascinating that you had mentioned just the idea that like you go into a novel or you or you, you sort of write these things right because you have this question um this lingering obsession or this question um but then like your characters like also have a question that doesn't mm-hmm. get answered yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like yeah, you're, you know it's like sort of turning it on its head and and you know the traditionals write sort of mystery detective novel like yeah they go they look they yeah. search they find the answer the problem is solved end of novel um but then you look at some. More of these, you know, more current sort of mystery yeah. detective novels, and it's like turning that on its head and saying, like, nope,
3: there's, <laughs> no, not there is no, there's, solution, there's no easy solution, even if it solution. is a happy one. Yeah, yeah I once nice. was was talking about this with a group of students, and one of them asked me a question that I, I'm still remembering. Uh, she she said something like, "Well, okay, that's so good. That you as an author have that." unresolved question. Mm-hmm. No, that you as, as the narrator, that the narrator has that unresolved question and, and it will remain a mystery. But you as an author, do you know the answer? <laughs> and And then I was thinking, well... If I knew it from the beginning, it, it would have been so boring just to write the whole story, right? Yeah, I right, mean, it's, yeah. right, what, right, right. what might be what might be interesting in any case is that all of us, uh, linked by by language, by this mm-hmm. specific exercise exercise in language, we can together try perhaps not to resolve, but at least to become accomplices of mm. of asking the questions of, rema- right. of being aware of of that we are together here, right? Mm. I love that. I want to end heavy. on
1: that. That's yeah, amazing. That great. That's um, great.
2: Um,
1: so is that?
3: Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good note to that's end on.
2: You become accomplices. Uh, accomplices. I like that. I going to write that in my awesome. journal.
1: Um, definitely, uh, para toda la comunidad que es bilingüe, um, go get. uh you other books that are in Spanish?
2: So that's <laughs> exactly like, like I'm literally going to and Amazon. And be like, gotta gotta get all it English and Spanish. So
1: that's that's good stuff. Oh, so one last question before. El tamaño del libro in español, like how, is it a, the, like the same, like physical...
3: The design you the, mean? The, not the uh,
1: design so much, but yeah, so the format, the design, is yeah. it the same? Is it thicker? Is it longer? Like
3: Well, the design is a little bit different. Okay. Uh, I, I adore Dorothy's uh, books. The, uh, at the beginning when I thought about when this book would fit, you know, what yeah. kind of uh, a press would be a good house for this book, for this story, I was... Uh, Obviously, reading as as much as I can, but then once I, I started to read the books in this catalog in this Dorito Press, I thought, man, this is Perfect. this is what I want. That's this is awesome. the conversation I want to have, and I'm very happy with the design and the cover and everything. In Spanish, it's um it's also a a, a thin book. Uh, the the cover has um, it includes. Um, um, the, the the face of uh, uh, of a female character, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and I love that I used to love it a lot, and yeah. I, although it's uh, I guess the message is is different, right. Mm-hmm. like right here is this is, there is distance it's like implied, right. mm-hmm. and there is that 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 somber. Note that darkness, which I think it's he it, it, it belongs with right, the book. Right, right, right. So mm-hmm. yeah, but it's a yeah, it's a short book. It's a brief book. I, if that helps, seat. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's
1: an awesome like I, I sat with it and I'm still sitting with it. It's it's even though it's a short read, it's so explosive like message wise, entirely so beautiful.
3: Good, work. thank you. So
1: and we'll we'll, we'll be come back, back with our lightning round, with the lightning round. <laughs>
3: sweet
2: And we're
1: back. Now we're back. Our
2: last we're back here? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Okay, Our so the rules for the lightning, round? This, <laughs>
2: the lightning round.
1: Rules for the lightning round. Josh.
2: Lightning this, round. <laughs> is that what I say? <laughs> I don't know. You said lightning loud. round. Like um, I'm
1: tired. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we're so, mixing languages. now yeah, That's exactly. what it is.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> So
1: it a Josh, if you like, throw in a relampago during like all this boom, boom, boom. Um, okay, so lightning round. Rules for the lightning round. Know, there are ten questions.
3: Okay. Uh,
1: this is what everybody actually listens for, even though we do the interview. Okay. We think there are people that like fast forward just to this part these These are the most important questions Uh, this makes or breaks writing careers
2: oh Uh, my gosh (laughs) (laughs) or just (laughs) just embarrassing so
1: (laughs) 10 questions you have
2: 45 seconds 45 We're trying seconds. a new thing But we don't really 45 years, seconds so, to, Okay to, to 45 not, seconds for, for, To answer each question Not total Okay well so that's better Yeah. 45 <laughs> seconds per question <laughs> But like it's like The first thought First answer that comes to mind yeah. These are
1: these Dangerous are Very hard Important
2: Philosophically charged. philosophically charged. Why like, you got your doctorate? Like this is why. Why, you're why is this guy blue? <laughs> that stuff. Uh,
1: so those are the questions. I'll try
2: my best. Okay. okay right.
1: So you want to do the yes. first one? Yes.
2: Question one. Your drink of choice
3: when writing. Usually water, okay. but but okay. but uh, uh, I love uh, bubbles, and prosecco oh. is fine. Oh.
1: Oh, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Fancy.
3: <stuff. laughs> nice, right?
1: uh, number two writing like physically writing or typing typing like the clickety clack of the clicky
3: clack yeah for, awesome. and i've done that for a long time now my my handwriting is awful <laughs> <laughs> i just can't read them i can't read it, it
2: afterwards
1: yeah. yeah that's me do
2: you find though is a side question like for different genres or just you use always type for every genre
3: at times when i'm writing uh poetry mm-hmm. i would write that down mm-hmm. in in some notebook yeah but when i'm writing essays or yeah. or just writing in yeah. general is the screen the yeah and the keyboard
1: do you have a notebook now do you keep a notebook
3: you know i do i do yeah but uh, i don't write a lot in the notebook mm-hmm. uh, as i said my handwriting is is really i mean <laughs> so i have afterwards to I have like, to discipline what? myself and i have to be very careful yeah. and that takes time right. yeah Got it. Question
2: three. Ooh, when you aren't writing, editing, or reading, what are you watching?
3: Watching. Mm-hmm. It has to be something done with the, the eyesight. Or the, listening to, or... Well, um, I, I I swim. Oh, wow. I love to swim. Wow. Yeah. I haven't been doing that lately, but uh, that's something that brings a lot of... Uh, Peace into my life, so I like to do that. Awesome. I listen to music, uh, all 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 mm, music from the '80s mm. in Spanish, usually. <laughs> Any particular band? Uh, well, I've been I've been listening. This is embarrassing, yeah. but I have to confess <laughs> this. I've been listening to La Oreja de Vango. Yeah. Lately. Oh, yeah. Right. Love <laughs> yeah, That's I awesome. love them. Yeah, I agree. I love yeah. them. In case stuff. you don't know, that was Vangos'
2: ear, literally translated, but they're a band. Right? It, they, yeah. A band. yeah. 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 Like Mexican yeah. rock spanish rock
0: no spanish it's rock? more pop it's pop pop okay. yeah okay. yeah mm-hmm. yeah oh, that's hilarious it on the
3: <laughs> that's good
1: stuff um oh okay um so like if you're just reading to read stuff um chat books or like literary websites so like like physical chat book pieces mm-hmm. or like things you can read on say like Poetry.org or Pen America or
3: Ah uh, both it, and it depends. I I'm lucky enough that when I go to readings or I I go to. You know presentations or to universities or the like. I, I usually come back with lots of chat books oh, awesome. and, uh, and I read them. And, uh, and you know, I'm a professor, so I have to keep up with what is happening like, like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's and so yeah, yeah. that you get those things on in, Internet easily. Perfect. so Perfect. yeah: Quietest place
2: you've ever written in.:
3: Quietest. Mm. Uh, my bedroom, mm. yeah, I think so. And do you
2: prefer the quiet or do you like music when you 're writing or
3: I usually no mm-hmm. I, I don't and in fact, the reason why you you find a, a playlist at the end of this novel is because I, I did it on purpose i 'm the kind of person who is writing and enunciating what what is writing mm-hmm. and uh, here I wanted to mess with my own rhythms mm-hmm. and uh, and so I wanted to listen to specific songs that relate to me at least to this area mm-hmm. and I wanted to i want, I wanted my um, my body rhythms to be altered by that. And perhaps I could get out of myself in writing that stuff. Yeah.
1: So for those of you that aren't aware, there is a playlist. The last chapter of the book is a straight up playlist.
3: And, and I, I think I took more than 45 seconds on this one. Sorry. It's okay. Sorry.
1: It's all good. Yeah. Oh, uh, top three foods for Thanksgiving.
3: For Thanksgiving. I just started celebrating Thanksgiving very recently. Oh okay. even okay. though I've been living in this country for a long That's time. <laughs> I refused, I resisted and and I didn't um, want to. But yeah. then like four years ago, I I, I just Began having friends at home, and yeah. you know, so I do the the most classic things, mm-hmm. like uh you know, turkey and mashed Got potatoes it. and oh, okay, things cool. like that. So Got not it. very interesting no, in that, that sense. <laughs> I'm pretty basic too. Olivia I mean, gets mad at me, but I'm basic.
2: with tamales. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, we always I find love a way to like. To, you yeah, know? we always find a way to make it like a Mexican. Like, <laughs> yeah. like we always have platanos and we always
3: tamales. I love to make tamales, but it's very different You need a whole team, you need a a big, large family. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Yes, absolutely, to do that. I do that in in Christmas, Christmas. though, when I go to Mexico.
1: I haven't made tamales Madre Santa.
3: We always buy them. Yeah, (laughs) they're very good tamales in town. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're lucky in that sense. Yeah. 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 Um, What are you currently reading? I just got back from Miami, where I met this... Are you at uh, the Miami Book Festival? Yeah, I was oh, there, great. yeah. yeah. Great. I had fun, it was a blast, it was wonderful. And I met this um, woman writer from Colombia, Pilar, uh, Pilar Quintana, and I'm reading her novel, La Perra. Ooh. And the first chapter is just explosive and so beautifully written. It's really good, so that's what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i look into
1: that. Very nice. Um, farthest place you've ever traveled to?
3: farthest place
1: because like in the book they're like traveling to yeah very far places, but, uh,
3: so. but you know it's, it's just perhaps Stockholm St- St- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how do you say that in English? Stockholm? Mm-hmm. Oh. In Sweden? Oh, oh. Yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I guess that's uh, as far north as I've uh, gotten to Yeah, that's Sweden's nice yeah. Yeah. I mean I've never been there but I'd like to go and it was the summer so oh. it was not nearly as uh, as what I'm is. describing oh, wow. there that's dope what's your favorite place that you've been to? My favorite place, I have to say Oaxaca. Mm. And that was on my, t- it was immediate. Do, do you notice yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. My husband, who is from Oaxaca, must be happy with that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I It's I really <laughs> to get people in trouble with their families
2: when like we ask these questions. they're like, don't tell my mom. I said, you know, don't tell my
1: husband. Don't tell my husband. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I didn't like this. or It's cool. So yeah. funny. Um, um. Okay. This is a difficult
3: question. Okay.
1: Eggnog or Rompope.
3: Oh my gosh, I'm oh, sí. that's
1: fast.
3: Sí. That's fast. Oh. <laughs> I I'm not a fan of either, but... Uh,
2: um, and what was the best workshop you've ever taken or like the best workshop leader? Or...
3: Last year, um, I'm, I'm, I'm curating a series of workshops at the University of Houston. Mm-hmm. And last year we had uh, wonderful, great writers. Uh, and I have to say that one of the best, although all of them were... Wonderful, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. <laughs> but Samantha Shreveling came all the way from oh, oh Berlin. My god, yeah. and, yes, and we interviewed her. Talk, oh my yeah. god, isn't she great? She's, she's amazing. amazing. <laughs> well, the workshop that she led was just fantastic. I want to, yeah, I want to invite her back. Yeah. You know, I, I wish she could live here in Houston with us. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I guess she's very happy in Berlin. But <laughs> that, that was wonderful. Her yeah. her idea of what the short story was, the way in which she shared the knowledge that she has about mm-hmm. writing, and mm-hmm. and how precise and clearly minded she was about it and so generous yeah. with the comments it was wonderful yeah That's That's yeah awesome. we got a lot about
2: her book when reading your book actually oh, too the like well, a fever dream that sense that mystery that and, sort of yeah. like being in that world you know
1: really filter el, el personaje ya muestra su palabra y las acciones que ocurre Me, not in un eco del mismo sentido entre entre um, las dos mujeres.
3: Ah, mira qué maravilla. Y, yeah. y
1: en eso, it, it's it's such a like it was awesome just look being able to like have the frame of reference and the schema because of Fever Dream yeah. and yeah. then like being able to build the build upon that with this it was like oh
2: that's such a yeah, good just and, and it was so wonderful that imprint yeah. uh, invited
3: Brought her in, to come yeah. to, to town great. and, and the way awesome. that she shared her time with all of us yeah. it was fantastic yeah. it was if you ever
1: get a chance and you want to listen to the Inkwell uh, uh, interview. interview yeah, that was the one episode we did in Spanish yeah, too. yeah that so. was our one
2: oh, Spanish cool. uh, oh. interview so that was good so speaking of that, so you mentioned the UH, UH workshops can you tell us just briefly a little bit about your work at UH um, and the PhD program in Spanish I'd oh, love sure. to yeah
3: Absolutely. You know, we live in a very difficult world right now mm. with all these attacks against immigrants and Spanish specifically. So I'm very glad that the University of Houston uh, launched this uh, new PhD in Hispanic studies with a concentration in creative writing in Spanish. Congratulations. To me, Oh, I'm really happy. To me, it's, uh, it's my activism. It's, yeah. it's a way in which, uh, uh, I mean, I'm writing books, but at the same time, I want more books to exist in this world that speak and are relevant to the lives of, of our communities yeah. and so this is our second year it's a very young program uh, as all young programs we face continuous challenges but we are overcoming right. <laughs> and, yeah. that, and we have great students people who are writing and publishing and and posing the questions that I think uh, we need to hear and we need to to address mm-hmm. in in the world in which we live so, uh, so if if you're interested in applying, uh, there there is plenty of information in the U of H page in the uh, Department of Hispanic Studies, and um, uh, I think applications. Uh, Are I think, open? Yeah, yeah, Are I think so. Oh, no, we'll what what. Are we in, We're in November? November. <gasps> About to close in December, I believe. All right. So, if you're yeah. interested, now's yeah. the time. Yeah. Now's the time. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: of a sudden, I just my face got hot. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> he toyed with the idea. I, yeah, for I a continuously. While now, like right. we've
1: we've had the conversation aboard uh, before, and I, I don't. Yeah, Yeah,
3: I you can that. teach there. It, yeah, no, yeah. it would be wonderful.
2: That's yeah. Good. So, yeah. So, is there any anything? I mean, is where can we find you? Are you on online or social media or anything? Where can the our listeners like? Are you on social media? Follow you?
3: Twitter? Oh uh, Well, I have my Twitter account, C. Rivera Garza, and uh, I keep, uh, uh, I, I have a, a Facebook account, which I've, I'm not as fan of as Twitter sure but, yeah uh, Twitter's good <laughs> yeah I get to 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 read about what people that I'm interested in are are doing and mm, the awesome. news that's how I learn about your baby <laughs> thank, thank you the, thank you awesome and all the many <laughs> things that you guys do <laughs> yeah for sure. and so that's wonderful yeah
1: uh, well cool thank you so much thank you for, for thank spending you. the evening with no, us no gracias uh, gracias good, por leer y,
3: y por su tiempo y mm-hmm. que bueno que sigan haciendo tantísimas cosas aquí en Houston son mm-hmm. un un corazón palpitante <laughs> De De Gracias Gracias. Todo. A um,
1: thank you, everybody else, for listening and tuning in. Tuning in like it's radio. My mistake. Y'all have a great evening. Uh, everybody, happy holidays. Happy
3: holidays. Happy <laughs> yeah. holidays. como decías, era, era happy things, things taken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And then... And the happy things take.
2: I stole to... that from. So I found that out. someone said it online. I <laughs> like, I'm using it all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. day. Tienes tiene ritmo, yeah. tienes tiene ritmo, tienes ritmo. Tiene, tiene tiene, ritmo. Tiene, tiene, ritmo.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll. Uh, our next episode. I don't even know.
2: It's all good. We'll we'll check you. We'll figure it out. Figure it out uh, <laughs>
1: many thanks to Imprint. To imprint. And uh, nos vemos pronto.
2: Good night.
0: Thank you for listening to Inkwell, a collaboration between Tintero Projects and Imprint in Houston, Texas, a city with a wellspring of literary activity. Inkwell is hosted by Jasmine and Lupe Mendez of Tintero Projects, produced by Rich Levy and Krupa Parikh of Imprint and recorded, engineered, and edited by Josh Walker with 150 Media House. Inkwell is made possible by a grant from the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance and InPrint's other generous supporters. For more information, visit imprinthouston.org or tenteroprojects.wordpress.com. For feedback on this and future episodes, email inkwell at imprinthouston.org. We also invite listeners near and far to attend our readings and workshops. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing.